Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Rick Bradbury teaches from James 1 and about listening carefully, doing exactly, and caring intentionally. Can I, can I tell you guys a couple of secrets? See, God tells me secrets, and I don't always share them because I don't know if I have permission, but I feel like I need, since we're whispering, I hope I never lose my phone. I've never thought that in my life. Sometimes I wanted to throw it away until today. I hope I never lose it, not because it gives me access to lots of information, but because I have notes on here from being in the prophetic room on the first day of this year. And they are going to regulate my entire year. My word, the word I got on the first day of the year will regulate my entire year. Will regulate my entire year. And two of the words came from a 10-year-old and an 11-year-old. I'm sitting there and a 10-year-old blows my mind. Now, I'm not looking at the people talking to me. I'm looking down the whole time. I'm not giving them anything to work off of. <clears throat> True or not? Sure or not, I give them nothing to work off. They can't tell if I'm hearing, listening, if I care less, if I give a flip. They don't know. They don't know if I agree with it. I'm not giving them anything. Just looking down, listening. And a 10-year-old, one of the most profound words I've ever got in my life. If I had time, I'd read it. <clears throat> you know what? I've always wanted to preach a five-hour sermon. Maybe today's the day. <laughs> And I, but if Michael wants to schedule it, I'll do it. And I promise and we'll take, but I won't do it today. I won't keep you, but because I have some stuff for you to do after church. Um, so I'm blown away. I didn't even sign up. I was supposed to work the prophetic rooms. My wife couldn't come. She wasn't feeling good. So I didn't. And so about five o'clock, I'm just thinking, you know, I go out in the hallway and it's like, I'm just like read the sign and I come back in, I go back out and I read this sign and finally, you know, Tiffany comes out and I says, yeah, what do you got to do to go in there? <laughs> she just says, and I looked in there when the door opened, there's like four stations. They're all talking at once and you know, all this stuff. And uh, so I sit down, I'm getting ready to tell you a secret. You need to know this. And this 10 year old, and then I went to another session, and then they talked to me. And then, because it's almost 6 o'clock now, and the things start in the last two hours, they said, well, we can't let you do all four. We'll just group the last two sessions, the last two groups. So they grouped, and I'm sitting there with like five of them around me. One's 11-year-old. Here's what I want to tell you. At 8 o'clock when we ended, how can you trust the word of a 10-year-old and 11-year-old? Here's the secret. At 8 o'clock we ended, they were both up here worshiping. This 10-year-old's just worshiping at the end. This 11-year-old, both hands up. Let me tell you the secret. God whispers to worshipers. God whispers 
to whispers. That's a secret. Most people don't know that. If you enter into worship, he said, I'll draw nigh to those who draw nigh to me. He'll be so close to you, he'll whisper. And I knew I could take that word home because that 10-year-old and 11-year-old are worshipers. So when they're, no matter where they are, if they're a worshiper, God will whisper to them. You know the biggest question in my life? You always say God talks to you. He never talks to me. I got friends that said, he never talks to me. Let me tell you another secret. He talks to those who trust him. If you want to hear the voice of God, up your trust level. It's a secret. Most people don't know it. It's in the book, but you got to read that part. But the more you trust him, the more he'll talk to you. He just talks to those who trust him. And so I haven't heard anything. Trust him more. Take another step of obedience. Take another step of faith. Go ahead and, 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 and just, just trust him more. Trust him. Start up a level of trust and you'll start hearing his voice. It's so cool. Let me tell you one more. He hangs out with the humble. I asked him one time, if you were in service, like for real, where would you sit? Do you go up on stage with those guys? Do you get on the front row? Or where are you at, God? Like if you manifest yourself. And I mean, this was a, these are like month-long questions. I asked these stuff. And so I'm asking him, I'm just pouring my heart out. God, come on, tell me. You tell me secrets sometimes. Tell me, where do you sit? If you manifest yourself in the sanctuary, where would you be? Are you on the back row, the front row? Do you just stand there the whole time? I know you're everywhere and all that. I understand all that. But if you were to just sit down, where would you sit? And I mean, this is like a three-month question. And I'm just like begging God, come on, God, tell me. And finally, he waits till I'm in a place. And he goes, uh, if you really want to know that, Rick, if that's really a desire. He said, if you're ever in a service, just look for the most humble person and I'll be sitting right beside him. He sits with the humble. I'm going like, why didn't I know that, God? He hangs out with the humble. If he was to manifest himself and personally sit, he's sitting in the seat of the most humble person here, right next to you. And so that just really, that just really helps me understand him more is what I'm trying to say. It helps me. Okay, so you talk to whispers? Yeah. Why? I didn't know that. I mean, you, you whisper to whisper. You talk to those who trust you more. The more they trust you, the more you talk. Yeah. And you sit with the humble? Yeah. And so then scripture begins to take on a whole new meaning. When you really read it and understand this is who God is. And this is how he works and what he does. So let me, let me just get to the word and let me just flat-footed teach this morning because this is vision month. Pastor Michael said, would you share something? And because he's going to take three weeks and just really give you the vision. But let me tell you about vision. Your vision tells you which way to go. So your vision will tell you which way to go. That's what vision does. It tells you to go this way. It tells you to go this way. It tells you to go this way. Your vision tells you which way to go. 
without vision, the problem is there's so much uncertainty. What do I do next? Which way should I go? Should I stay here? Should, there's so much uncertainty. See, vision tells you which way to go. And once you know which way to go, then you don't have a problem if you can see it, if you can picture it, if you can dream it, then you head in that direction. Because just remember that vision tells you which way to go without it, nothing but uncertainty, no matter what age you are, where you're at in life. Let me tell you another thing that you need to know before we get into the word. Don't listen to those who say you can't. Don't listen to those who say you can't do something. Don't listen to those who say it won't happen. The reason you don't listen to those who say it can't happen is because then if you hear that, you won't try. That's the only problem with it. You won't try. So please don't listen to those. You can't do that. There's no way. Because what it does, it takes the try out of you. So you won't try. So now you're living with uncertainty and you won't try. And so that's why vision is so important. The next three weeks, as Pastor Michael shares his heart, is going to be so important. Let me tell you one more thing. Well, let me tell you a couple of things. In this life, there's peaks and valleys. Okay, in life, there's peaks and valleys. And once you understand that, they're part of life, okay? What to right now is a good point and in, in, in maybe to study this is because what a peak is, is a goal or an event or a desire. And so you want to do something. Let's say you, uh, you want to, you know, go to the Olympics as an ice skater. Okay. And so that would be your peak. That's your goal. Well, what happens, understand about peaks and valleys is this. Provision is on the way to the peak. It's not at the peak. So in life, you get to the peak of something. You, 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 you plan the event. You have the gold. You have the dream. You have the desire. You have the longing. And you really want to go to the Olympics someday as I scare. Now, what happens? Provision happens on the way to the peak, to the highest point. Provision happens on the way. It doesn't happen when you get there. Why? Because you're going to need some skates. And you're going to need a trainer maybe. And you're going to need an ice rink. You see what I'm saying? Provision has to happen in order for me to get there. So I have to have vision and I have to try. Otherwise, I'll never see the provision that I need. Let me tell you something. If all you're going to do this year is paint the bathroom, you don't need much. Provision. Gallon of paint, maybe somebody to help you. You don't need a whole lot. But if you're going to build an orphanage this year, more provision, right? So when you have goals and you have dreams, the provision is on the way to the peak. Now, let's say you get there to the Olympics and you do really good. A couple of the things you fell out, but one of them you do good. Then once you get to reach your goal, you made it to the Olympics. Let's say you even got a medal. It doesn't matter which one. Then after you reach the peak, provision comes after it because of what you accomplished by doing the event or having the goal or having the dream. So provision is on the way to the peak and provision is after you reach the peak. It's never getting to the mountaintop that you're going to get the provision you need. You're only going to get it on the journey to it and you're going to get it after you do it on the journey from it because of where God's taking you next. So life that has a bunch of peaks and a bunch of valleys, goals that you reach 
on this journey. But there's so much more that's going to happen. I mean, I'll tell you what, there's before and after you get the provision, but there's valleys too. You get the lows. You have to go through the valley. Let me tell you something. Life brings opposition. Understand that. Life brings opposition. Life brings valleys. There's going to be lows. It just brings opposition. But either one of them, you never live on peaks and you never live in valleys. You just continue on. Even though there's opposition, you continue on. Even though you've reached your goal or you did the event, you just keep going. It's called life. It's a journey. And it has peaks and valleys. But what I'm trying to tell you that is don't really focus on the peak. Because if all, I'm going to go to the Olympics and that's all your focus is, I'm going to go to the Olympics one day, you're going to miss out on the person that's going to buy you the best pair of skates you ever. Because you need those. And you're going to miss out on some of the opportunities. Don't just, you, you can't always focus on peaks and please don't focus on valleys. Peaks and valleys are not your focus. They're never your focus. Let me tell you something else don't focus on. Needs and necessities. Don't ever focus on the need and don't ever focus on the necessity. Don't ever focus on the peak and don't ever focus on the valley. Why don't you focus? What are needs? Food and clothing and water. You need those things. You know, you need food and water. What's necessity? Toilet paper. But it's not a need. You can live without it. You'll, you'll function without it. You don't have to have it. It's a necessity. And so if you all the time focusing on what you need, what you need and necessities and what you need and necessities, then you are not focusing on the right thing. Now, toilet paper is wonderful, and I'm glad we have it. It's a necessity, but it's not a need. So even when you begin to understand the difference, food and water, I can't live without. So I, in this world, I will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Understand that. Troubles, you're going to have opposition, especially in this life. So if you're giving life and you're living life you're going to have peaks and valleys. You're going to have needs and necessity, but don't let them be your focus. Also, another thing is income and issues. Never, never let income and issues be your focus. Now, you need income, right? It, it, you have to, you, you want income. It's a necessity, right? It's good to have, but that shouldn't be your focus. Neither should be the issue. Because issues are going to arise. But most of the people I deal with, they're always focused on the peak or the dream or the goal or they're focused on the valley. And what do you mean by that? Because at one point, you, man, you reach sonship and, you, and I mean, you feel like a son and you feel like a daughter. On the other, you feel like an orphan because in the valley, it's, it's low and there's loss and there's lack and there's loneliness. And if you live there very long, you can't focus on that. And you can't focus on income. If income is your only focus, then everything hinges on that. If the problem or the issue is your only focus, then everything hinges on that. So I want us to go to James chapter 1 because I'm going to tell you the three things that God says you need to focus on. 
And this year would be good to focus on the things that God wants us to focus on so we don't focus on these other things that most people focus on. Okay? So let's read it real quick. James chapter 1, I'll be reading from the NLT. Let's go to verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, listen very closely or follow along. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like the flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers and the little flower drops and fails and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptations Afterward, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those that love him. And remember, when you are tempted, do not say God is tempting me, for God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from your own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we out of all creation became his prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourself. For when you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious and don't control your tongue, You are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure 
and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James 1 tells us this. There's three areas you focus on. Opportunities, obstacles, and obedience. Never income, never issues, never needs, never necessities, never goals and dreams, never hard times and difficulties. Never focus on those. They should never be your focus. James 1 tells us what you focus on is opportunities. Because if you look for opportunities, you know what you'll find? Opportunities. If you look for obstacles, you know what you'll find? You will find obstacles, and that's good, though, because you'll know what's keeping you from what you should be going after. If you focus on obedience like I did this morning, had my hands in my pocket, I knew what was in my pocket, and I wanted to be obedient to share, and then God downloaded a couple other things for these other people on stage that he wanted to begin this year with a kisses on stage. I love that. I love that. But I had to be obedient. Just keep your hands in your pocket, Rick. Concentrate. So those are the three things. Now watch this. When you focus on opportunities and you focus on obstacles and you focus on obedience, your success depends on what you focus on. Your success this year your success in life depends on what you're focused on. And if people says, what are you going to do? You just tell them about the opportunity, not none of the other stuff. If they say, how are you going to make it? You just focus on the opportunity. And they say, well, what about this? Yeah, that's an obstacle. Yeah, I, I, I got that. I know, what, I know what I'm up against. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to be obedient because I have to focus on obedience. Those are the three things James says. Focus on those three things. All year, if you focus on those three things. Now, listen very carefully. What he does tell us this is, in this world, you're going to have trouble, test, and temptation. Those are the obstacles. The obstacles are troubles coming. Tests are coming. Temptation is coming. How do I respond to these things that are bothering me, these issues and this trouble? Well, he tells us that right off the bat. I mean, he doesn't get far in this letter, and he goes this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, verse 2, when troubles of any, time, any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. So what do you do when there's trouble? You have an opportunity now to express great joy. You have an opportunity to choose joy. I mean, it doesn't matter what the trouble is. You don't focus on that. You focus on this gives me an opportunity when troubles of any kind come my way to express great joy. Now, all of a sudden, everything shifts because you begin to enjoy even your trouble. What he says is rejoice, and again I say rejoice. This is the day the Lord hath made. Rejoice and be glad in it. In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Oh, if you focus on the problem, you won't have any joy. You focus on the problem and understand that my opportunity now is to express great joy. Then everybody will wonder why you're so stinking happy. 
So understand how he puts it in threes here. Troubles of all kinds are coming, but it gives you an opportunity to express great joy. I'll tell you what, when that shifts, when you understand, I'm not focused on anything else. Yeah, I'm having trouble right now financially. I'm having trouble physically. I can't hardly walk or I'm having trouble relationally. But be of good cheer, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. This is the day the Lord hath made rejoice in. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. Enjoy it. You know what I love about your pastor? He says, every time I say it's the best service ever, it's the best day ever, that's the way it ought to be. That's called sonship. If your best birthday was 10 years ago, something wrong. If your best birthday is when, when you turn this certain, no, 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 no. God set this thing up that if you had the biggest birthday party, it, you, this is the best party ever. But if you're by yourself this year and no one around, you should enjoy it just as much and say this is the best birthday ever. Every service ought to be the best service ever. Every day one ought to be the best day one of the year. The way God set this up is you get to choose joy. You get to choose joy, and it has nothing to do with your circumstances. And if you had more joy 10 years ago than you have now, you don't have faith in the right thing. Well, let's just say it. If you, if you don't have... If you have more faith in hand sanitizer than you do Jesus, something's wrong. Now, I've washed my hands more this year than I've ever washed them in my life. But you know what? I got scripture for that. Wash your hands and purify your hearts, all you double-minded. So it's scriptural. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. But also purify your heart, purify your heart, purify your heart. Don't let that sorrow and all that other stuff. Well, it's just a good time then. I know this sounds crazy. Here's my mask under my feet where it belongs. I can't focus on that either. I have to have great joy even with dear friends and their losses of dear loved ones. And I can face more deaths this year than I've ever faced in my entire life. And dear, dear friends and people going through it. I'm not diminishing the problem, but I'm not going to let it take my joy. I'm not going to let it take my joy. My response is rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. This is the day. It has nothing to do with what somebody's planned or what's going on around me. My best birthday ever is my birthday. It can't be 20 years ago. He didn't set it up that way. And it can't be next year when I turn a certain, it can't be that way. Every day needs to be the best day ever. And every service needs to be the best service ever. When Michael said, I always say it, I'm going, yes, you always say it, yay. Keep saying it. Susie gets tired of hearing it. I go, it's the best day ever. I said, this is my best Christmas ever. I just told you my best December ever, didn't I? Well, can I tell you something now? They're my best January ever. <laughs> You're only three days in. It's the best one ever. If you hear this, it'd be the best sermon ever. It depends on what you focus on. Your success in this thing called life depends on what you focus on. And I love that about the heart of your pastor because of what he's focusing on right now. Love that. You know what else it says? Tests are going to come. 
It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. What do we do when we're going through tests? What do you focus on? The opportunity for a growing season. It's just a growing season. I mean, some stuff's going to spring up that's never springed up. I mean, I'm going to get more rooted and grounded than I've ever been. I mean, I need stuff I never need. I need nutrients and water right now because I've never been here. I'm about to bud. I mean, I'm about to blossom. I'm about to be more fruitful than I've ever been. Oh, I know it's a test. If you want to focus on the test, go ahead. Tests are coming, but when they come, it gives you a chance to go through a growing season that you never had, and you become more mature and more faithful and more fruitful and more beautiful and more sustainable than you've ever been. Every test is an opportunity. Every obstacle is an opportunity for a growing season. So when you understand this trouble, yeah, opportunity for great joy. Test, man, we're really going through a test right now. We're really being tested. My face, my, my marriage been uh, growing season. That's what you're in. I mean, you're maturing and you're growing into who you're supposed to be. And I mean, you're getting stronger. And I don't have the time to go through all this. I wish I did. It'd be a five-hour sermon. Maybe we'll preach it again. But just in light of vision, this gives you something to focus on, James 1. It's so full of this stuff. Well, what do I do when temptation comes? Oh, it's just so beautiful when you, I mean, when you, when you look at it, it says temptation is coming. But don't say this and don't do this and don't do this. You know what you focus on when temptation, when you're really being tempted, is a generous God. Where do I get my pictures of God? When I'm really being tempted. When I'm really struggling, it's an opportunity for me to focus on a generous God. It's so rich in mercy. I can get all I want every morning and don't have to pay for it. It's, he's so rich in mercy. I get a, I mean, sometimes truckloads of grace come my way. He just backs up and dumps all this grace on me. And his grace is sufficient for every temptation. And he makes a way of escapes. You know, it seems like my back's against the wall. And I all of a sudden feel a doorknob. Yeah, I'm out of here. Where'd that come from? It was a wall. I mean, it seemed like he backed me in a wall. What's that in my back? A doorknob, a stinking doorknob, so I can get out of here because he makes a way of escape. If you focus on a generous God, he won't leave you hanging. He won't leave you in trouble. It won't be a test your whole life. Yes, you got to go through it. Yes, you got to go through it. But on the way, man, focus on a generous God who's rich in mercy and abundant in grace, has more peace than you can ever use up. And the joy of the Lord will strengthen you. It's his joy, not yours. You get to choose it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm being tempted right now. But man, my focus shifts on this generous God and he gives me the grace and the mercy and the love and the forgiveness 
that I need. He just keeps, he gives me whatever I need while I'm being tempted. And all of a sudden, everybody else is failing because they're focusing on what's going on in the flesh. And I tell you what, the arm of flesh will fail you. I get focused on a generous God and this generous God has more than what I need every time I need it. And if I get to the place where I don't even know what I need and I, and I don't even know what to do, he'll just make a way of escape or he'll put a river in the wilderness or he'll put a road at the bottom of the sea or he'll close the lion's mouth or he'll show up in the fiery furnace. That's who he is. He never is going to shortchange me. He's a generous God. So I have opportunity to focus on the generosity of God and the joy of the Lord. I have an opportunity. Oh no, let's focus on the test and the temptation and the trouble. Not me. I'm out. Why? Because James says it's going to come. And these three areas, opportunities and obstacles, allow me, my success depends on if I focus and choose joy, have an opportunity for great joy, if I have an opportunity now for a growing season. What are you going to do now, Rick? Grow up. That's what I'm going to do. Did I tell you this is the best day ever? (laughs) See the focus? Man, you're so amazing. You know what we do? Let me tell you another problem. This is a secret too, probably. You don't know this. We try so hard explaining God. And you know what God says? Would you quit trying to explain me? You can't. You know what he wants us to do is describe him. Quit trying to explain me, Rick. I don't do it. I don't try to explain him. I know people do, but I don't. That's not my focus. My focus on describing him. He's wonderful. He's powerful. He's amazing. He's so forgiving. He's so loving. Oh, I love him so much. I mean, I'm crazy about him. I mean, he's crazy about me. I mean, I'm like, he smiles at me, you know. I just start describing him, and that's what worship. Why would you want to describe him instead of explaining him? Well, go clear back to when he rose from the dead. One of the first things he did, those guys on the road to Emmaus, they're talking about, man, didn't our hearts burn within us? I mean, he was there, and they're telling the other people, and they're describing him to the other guys that didn't walk with him and didn't see him and they go we knew something was going they just all they're doing they're not explaining what happened because they can't explain what happened they just had a walk on a road to Emmaus with Jesus and they're describing him you know he does he walks in the room while they're describing him can I tell you that says president if you describe him here he'll walk in the room every time he's being described he'll walk into the room let your worship describe him let your song describe him let your words describe him let his countenance describe Describe him. He can't help it. He'll walk into every room. It doesn't matter if it's a hospital room. Well, I know. You know, I stood back there and I'm going, you're my provider. I mean, the other day, on a one day, I go, provider and physician and protector. That's who you are. I mean, I'm describing him. You know, he walked in the room. I did something I've never done. I took a picture of that fire extinguisher. That's all. It's on my phone. Boom. Right next to you. Look at it. You see it? 
They're singing, heaven come down, heaven come down. I'm going, you're my provider. You're a provider. You're my protector. I mean, you're the great physician. And, I'm in, and, I, and I look over. I'm 67 years old. I've never stared at a... Do you play the bass? Is that what you, I never stared at a bass player. You know? <laughs> Saw a tree before. They're going, heaven come down, heaven come down, heaven come down. God says, look. And I go, ay, 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 and I take a picture. Because <laughs> it said fire. You know what it says below it? Push in and pull down. That's why we gather. When we gather, we gather. Start describing him. Start pushing in. Start pushing in. And you know what? Pull down heaven. You know what? The fire of God. You'll get a hold of something from heaven. You'll get a hold. That's not just about an alarm. Look at it again there. Yeah, look at that. Fire. How do you, what do you do? Push in. What else? Pull down. And it tells you there's fire. The more we gather, the more we push in, the more we worship, the more we describe him. You know what? We just keep pushing into who he is and another layer of him and another attribute. And we just keep describing. I'll tell you what, he's so gracious. He's so kind. He's so stinking hopeful. I mean, he's so hopeful. I mean, he's so All I'm doing is describing him. All of a sudden, the hospital room, he comes in the hospital room while I'm describing him as a peacemaker, as a physician. But the thing is, we're trying to explain, well, God doesn't always answer prayer. And God doesn't always, you know, do it that way. And, you know, we get, quit it. I'm not saying that. God's saying it. Quit it. Quit trying to explain me. You will never explain me. You don't know why I did what I did. You know, you you don't know why I did that. And we'd have no two stories that are the same. No one goes, you know what? I bet he's going to spit on the ground. And I bet he's going to say, go catch a fish and there'll be money in his mouth. No person ever gave one thought to what he was going to do in any of those stories before he did it. They, it's beyond what you can ask, think, or imagine, or even comprehend. And he does something he's never done before. Why? Just for you, because you're blind and he wants you to see, and because you have a need and he wants you to get it met. Just start describing who he is. King of kings and Lord of lords and Prince of peace and the lily of the valley and the bright morning star. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's almighty. He's amazing. Just describe him and he'll show up every time he's being described. In fact, I wouldn't even attempt explaining him because he probably goes, that was weak. Oh God, I got a sermon about you I'm going to explain today. You think he's going to tune in to me explaining him? That's a joke. He's not. But I, I just start crying. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful, what do you mean? What a beautiful name it is. Just beautiful name. I'm just describing it. It's a beautiful name. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. Oh, it's just a name. What a powerful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. 
gives us an opportunity to focus on a generous God. And we're being tempted. Let me give you something real quick. There's uh, three must when it comes to obedience. Focus on obedience. They're real slow to speak. James 1, slow to speak, slow to get angry, and slow to be misled. If you focus on obedience, here's what's going to happen. The more obedient you are, the slower you are to speak. I mean, those are, these are three must. If you don't get these, you're not going to be as successful. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. And slow to be misled. That's why you can't listen to what everybody says. You can't do it. There's no way it's going to happen. Shh. Slow down. Slow down. One time I watched Taxi. I'll just go ahead and confess it. It was before, before you were born. I was watching Taxi. Just one time. But God let me watch it for some reason because it was just on. But there's a guy, the crazy guy on there. He was taking a, his driver's test to do his taxi. And it just goes so good with this sermon because he was sitting next to another taxi cab driver, the smart one. And he goes, what does a yellow light mean? And the smart one says, slow down. And he goes, what does a yellow light mean? And the guy goes, slow down. He goes, what does a yellow light mean? He said, slow down. Oh, uh, <laughs> it was so stinking hilarious. I have a word for you in 2020. Slow down. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. It never produces the righteousness of God. But I'm up against opposition. That's because you're living your life. Oh, there's so much. There's so much I wish I could tell you. Slow down. You won't be misled if you'll just slow down. And I mean, there's so many scriptures for this. I mean, I mean, when he, so don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever good and perfect gift coming down from our Father in heaven who created all lives, he's going to give you this stuff. Understand this. Human anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. You know, there's some things I want you to do. And he goes this. Be patient. Be patient. And these are the three steps that happen in 2020. You got to let endurance and perseverance grow. 
So slowing down is about being patient. He says, be patient. Slow down. Because when you slow down, you're letting endurance and perseverance grow. Slow down. Perseverance is growing. Endurance is growing. Be patient. Perseverance is growing. Endurance, let it grow. Let it grow. Be patient. How do I let perseverance and endurance be patient? Just slow down. Be patient. Don't get in a hurry here. I'm never in a hurry. God says I'm never in a hurry. I don't know how God comes to you. He's never come in a Corvette to me. I mean, I've begged him. God, come. Hurry up. Not one time Nolan has ever shown a Corvette. Most of the time, it's on a camel. I'm coming. Problem. Lazarus dead. Giddy up. I mean, it's always, I don't know why he rides a camel. It's like so slow. It's so old school. I mean, not one time for me. Now, I mean, I'm old. not one time he's ever come on a Corvette. He's ne- I've never hurried him. He's never gotten a hurry one time. Hurry's man's way. It's never God's way. Never. Never. Slow down. Let patience grow. You know what it says? Be patient. And here's what it says this. Here's another must. Another step. Do not waver. Don't waver. How do you, how do you know you're wavering? When you start worrying I don't, know, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, got laid off. I, I just don't I just don't know. I, I, how are we going to make it? When you start worrying and then you start wondering, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder if I wonder I wonder if that's if they're going to call me. I just wonder if I'm going to get the job. I just quit it. You're wavering when you start worrying and you're waver when you start wondering. God doesn't want you, that shouldn't be your focus. Your focus is, shh, slow to speak. Don't get mad. Don't get angry. Never produces what you want. Never will produce what you want. Anger will never produce what you want. Not one time. Now, I know God gets angry. I understand all that. I've gotten really angry. Usually, I don't do it the way God does it. human anger only makes matters worse, never makes them better. The way God does it, he says, yeah, I want you to be upset about that right now, but don't sleep on it. Don't let it spend the night. If you sleep on it, you unforgiveness, bitterness, there's all kind of, I mean, if you let it spend the night, then you got to deal with all this other stuff that you don't have to deal with. It should only be a motivation for you to take a stand for truth. But then, shut up. Just take the stand. Don't be angry. Don't be angry. Because you'll start sinning. I mean, he spells all this stuff out in Scripture. Let endurance, let, let perseverance when you begin to understand this. And then he says, not only do I want you to be patient, I don't want you to waver. And here's the thing he says, and read it for yourself. I won't read it because I want to close here in just a second. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your life. You need to have an exit plan. You need to have an exit plan. 
And if you have an exit plan for the evil, if, if you have an exit plan for the filth, why, why, what can I look at it? If you look at it like garbage or trash, and, and, and I'm going to have you practice something here in a minute. If you have an exit plan, I stood right here when you guys were remodeling this. And I probably was, I've been here, I've, I've probably on this stage 30 years ago. I preached a revival in this church probably 30, 25, 30 years ago. But this door was open. You guys are all working, doing everything. And I stood right here and took a picture of it. It's still on my phone. I called Michael and I said, Michael, you have to get rid of what you don't need and what you don't want to make room for what you do need and what you do want. And this door was open and there was a broom here and there's some other stuff and all these supplies. And I saw this exit. You need to have an exit plan for your life because that stuff is garbage. That stuff is really empty. That stuff is broken. And you need to get rid of the broken stuff and the empty stuff in your life to make room for what you do want and what you do need. Because you don't need to be filled up with broken and empty stuff. Get rid of all the filth and evil out of your life. Read it for yourself. He closes this chapter by telling us something that's very important. And so if you'll focus on these, maybe rewatch this again. Maybe just ask somebody personally. I love that you're taking notes this morning because it's so key for what Michael's getting ready to share. I came here and parked a month or so ago, maybe a little more. And I made the mistake. I parked right when you come in, right where that gravel was by the sign. And I learned something from that. Be careful where you park when you pray. I told God that. I said, God, I got to watch more where I park when I pray. Because I come here and pray. No one even knows I'm here. I just came in the building to pray that day. It was dark. I stopped by the other week and just prayed in a dark room in here. I go places. I've prayed all over. My assignment is prayer. But I was out there, and I saw the heap of trash out there. And... God spoke to me. Uh, they need to get rid of that. They don't need that going into this new year. That's just garbage. So I called Michael and I said, Michael, uh, get a dumpster and I'll bring some guys up and we'll un do what we can. I never even looked at the pile. I just heard God. If I'd have looked at it, I wouldn't have been as obedient because there's issues out there. <laughs> I would have focused on the issue. I said, why haven't you got rid of it, Michael? He said, well, it's just expensive. You know, we, we were going to burn it and we can't burn it. They have a burn pile behind the blue one, the storage one, and where they started, but they can't burn it. He goes, it's just expensive. I said, how much? And I said, no, don't tell me. I said, I'll pay for the dumpster. I wish I'd have let him tell me. <laughs> so I said, order it. And I had to write a $475 check for that dumpster sitting out there. Then you know what happened? The snow came and it, everything froze. And the guys I was going to have help me couldn't help me. We had it all planned. And so last week I just brought three guys up. I couldn't get them all. We came up and we worked and I'm standing on this pile and some guy says, they were really mad. The guys were with me. They were really mad. 
like there's dirt up all around it. You know, it's, it's, I said, yeah, I didn't know that. I said, they pushed it all up so they could burn it, make kind of a little oven. What are we going to do? I told one guy, I said, why don't you just stand against a building and watch us while we work? I said, because I don't like unwilling and I don't like grudgingly. And I don't want you on the same trash pile with me. And I'm old and it's cold and it's wet and it's muddy. And we start working away on the dumpster. I'm thinking, he said, one guy, then the other couple guys only had a couple. I'm closing with this because I'm going to tell you the truth. And these three things you better write down. If you haven't wrote anything, put them in your phone. And I'm standing on the pile. And the other two are kind of getting a little weary and well-doing. It's in the Bible. And I almost give them the keys to my truck. I almost said, guys, why don't you just leave? Go back to Sweetwater. I mean, I come so close. I had the keys. I said, go back to Sweetwater. Take my truck. I'll have Susie drive all the way up and pick me up. And they saw my go stand and watch get out of my face. But something changed in their heart after they saw my resolve to be obedient. And I mean, we're muddy. And I would have wore different shoes. Huh? I don't know why we're here. What, well, this is impossible. And, uh, and I mean, there's nails and garbage. And you can't do it. I mean, it was horrible roofing. And we had, oh, it was all four of us just to put roofing out of there just to get to the boards. It's all dirt. I mean, I'm digging away to get a board. I'm digging dirt, and digging is always hard. But listen very close to me. One guy says, we know we ought to pray while we're doing this. I said, I have been. (laughs) I've been asking God, what did I do wrong to get on his pile? (laughs) I said, I've been repenting. I said... You just got a few hours here. It's cost me 500 bucks. <laughs> and I watched something shift. Two or three hours later, they're just really working at it. And I'm telling them, it's, it's impossible. I said, no. No. I says, uh, we're getting rid of something they don't need and something they don't want to make room for this year, what they really do need and what they really do want. And it doesn't matter if it's a pew or a wall or a room. It just, you don't need it. You and so at the end of the chapter, here's what he says. He said, I want you to care for widows and orphans. But I want you to hear that this morning because it, if we read the Bible just for, and Susie and I, Kenny, have always had a widow in our life. We believe in that. We, I think everybody ought to have a widow in their life that they support and give to and do for and love. Susie and I have always had a widow, always orphans. We've taken...
almost 400 people in our home in 47 years that have lived with us. Foster kids and guys out of prison and guys with warrants and families for six months. And we've taken a lot of people in our home. I got the guys that were living with me rode up here not knowing where they were coming. You know, they think they're going with some <clears throat> out to eat. All they got was Little Caesar's Pizza. 20 minutes back to work. Not playing. But he said that because of this. Listen, care. He says, here's what I want you to do, this whole chapter, is I want you to listen carefully. I want you to enter into listening carefully. Be quick to listen. I want you to enter into listening carefully. If you have vision, if you have any goals, if you have any plans, if you have any dreams, if you have any longings, the key to your success is listen, listening carefully. Enter into that. The other key is doing exactly. Doing exactly. And he says, if you hear the word and you don't do it, I mean, that's just worthless. I mean, you're, don't be divided in your loyalty. Don't be divided in your resolve. Focus on the opportunities and the obstacles. But obedience, the whole thing, you got to step into listening carefully, doing exactly. And when he mentions orphans and widows, here's what he's really saying, is caring intentionally. See, it's not just about having a widow in your life that's good or having an orphan, but your care needs to be intentional. You went and visited intentionally. You gave intentionally. You, you, you prayed intentionally. You were obedient intentionally. You worshiped intentionally. You, you joined the team intentionally. You're intentionally caring for others more than you care for yourself. You're intentionally so the three things you need to take home with you today, if you're going to have any kind of vision, to trying to hit any type of goal, anything we have planned, anything you want to do, anything you want to be and become, please enter into listening carefully and doing exactly and caring intentionally. intentionally. So I don't know who's going to, do what we need to do. This might be packaged to take home. There might not be a decision here. I'll let Jahan make that choice. But I want every guy to do me a favor. In two days, I can't, I don't want to. I'll just say I can't. I don't want to give them another check for four seventy-five. dollars On the 5th, they're coming to pick that dumpster up. <clears throat> that pile yeah, that pile is going to be taken care of. We're not after that. But out on the burn pile behind the blue thing, there's just some trash. Maybe you go to your car and make your wife happy and clean it out. Maybe go behind, there's a chair out there and there's some cardboard and there I see a broken mirror. There's some stuff you don't need here and you don't want here. It's empty and broken. And I'm asking every guy in this room, before you leave, would you go find, walk around the building, find something you don't want here and don't need here, and would you put it in the dumpster? Just throw it in there. You'll see we've got it pretty full. 
The rest is going to be taken care of. We got a guy coming. It's going to look different. But if you, somebody just grab that cardboard. If you go behind the building, there's some stuff tucked in here. It's broken. I saw it this morning. I took a little prayer walk. You don't need it here. You don't want it here. It's not safe. Some kid just goofing around. Would you get stuff out of your car that you don't want or don't need? I mean, if it's just empty trash, would you put it in the dumpster? Maybe you ladies could just go to your car and say, ah, don't put it in the trash can. I want it in the dumpster. There's annoying on it. I, I paid for that. I'm serious now. I'm not playing now. I'm serious. It's not a joke. And all you're doing, though, is when you're doing it, you're going, I don't want trash in my life. I don't want empty in my life. I don't want broken in my life. If there's something in the trunk you don't need, don't want. Now, don't throw any people away, okay? <laughs> Let me clarify. I don't want no kids or companions in there. Just let's get that. Don't trash can people, okay? Yeah. Yay. I love kids. It's fine. This is what we live for right here. These are gifts from heaven, in case you don't know that. Every one of them is a gift. Every child is the only thing God keeps on giving. But when we leave here, I'll need everybody to put something in the dumpster. If it's no more than a broken branch out there, we don't need it. And would you join in lifting up the guys that were out there a month ago? One of them was on heroin really bad. A few weeks ago, the guy that did most of the work found his dad hanging in the basement. And he's been on drugs and selling them for years. And you know what he did? He's working on your pile. He found his dad and saved his life. He got to him in time. But it so shook him. He hasn't had any drugs since. And he ends up at the Bradbury house. You know what happened a month ago? He gave his life to Christ. And on the same Sunday in Florida, his dad went to church for the first time and gave his life to Christ. Get rid of all the filth and garbage out of your life. It's right there. Read it for yourself. You know what? It'd be good to read James 1 every, maybe at the first of every month, just read it through. James 1 this year, 12 times, just read it through. But you're going to be part of this because what you're saying is, and I know I'm just a little extended here, but let me tell you why it's important for you to be obedient here. Do exactly what I'm asking. Because I met this guy and been a drunk for years, and it's like 10 years ago. And we're out in front of the church, and I mean, it seemed hopeless. There's all weeds. and I didn't meet him at Shoney's. I didn't meet him at restaurants. I said, meet me out at the church. In your office? I said, no, I'll be outside, and I'm pulling weeds. And I just let him talk, and I just pull these weeds, pull these weeds, pull these weeds. We're out there like two hours. He goes, what are you doing? You're not making any difference. I go, oh, yeah, I am. He said, why are you doing this? Can't you get somebody to do it? I said, oh, this is for my grandchildren. He goes, so you're here on a Saturday pulling weeds out of the churchyard that somebody else uh, for your grandchildren? I go, oh, yeah. He goes, well, that would make no sense to me. I says, 10 years from now, my grandchildren are going to be teenagers. 
And some weeds are going to grow up in their heart and life. And I need somebody to come into their life for a couple hours and pull those weeds up for me. I said, I'm doing this for 10 years from now for my grandchildren. What you're doing this today for is you throw something away. You're saying, hey, I don't want this uh, junk out of my car. I want it. I want this filled out of my family. But I'm doing it for my grandson. I'm doing it for my son. I'm doing it. You know what I prayed the other day? I pray God would start making house calls to the neighbors in Powell around this church. Just show up at the house. I said, God, can you make some house calls around here? I said, just go in there, visit them, knock on the door of their heart, just walk into their home. I began to pray these crazy prayers. You know what I prayed right over there by that fire? I prayed for a million Michaels. How do you pray for a million Michaels? Because I have a Michael in my life. I wear this bracelet for hasn't been off in three, over three years. And he needs healing, and Michael needed healing. And I said, God, there's a million Michaels. And there's millions of men that need to know you as the great physician. And in this room, I prayed a million Michael prayer. Millions of Michaels out there. God, there has to at least be a million Michaels on the planet. I pray for every one of them. I know it's a low right now. DJ delivered my hot tub to my house. Every time I see it. But maybe if I can get that old broken garbage, I can get it out of the hand. You say the best year ever, best December ever. I got four or five of these pictures on my phone. I know what lows are about. I can't stay here though. Because you know what happened? I drove through Knoxville the day before Christmas. And there was a homeless guy that I know been in my house since he was six months old. And I saw him on the street and he's been homeless for 20 years. And we pick him up from now if I ever see him or if he calls me, usually I never, but I always stop if I see him in Morristown or whatever. And he's 30 some years old, just like DJ was. And he was higher than he's ever been. And he was drunk. And he had no ID and no backpack and no blanket. And we've given him all that stuff many times. And he, I said, Susie, is that him? She goes, yeah. And I said, hey, and I whistled and he didn't respond. called his name and he come over. I said, where's your stuff? I said, why don't you go home with me and Susie for Christmas? He said, I don't have anything. My backpack got stolen. I said, where have you been staying? In an abandoned car wash in this cold weather. And we took him home for Christmas. Spent five days at our house. But last time he was there, get me back to Knoxville but somebody at my house that you, that's been to this church for Susie's birthday party, he started talking to him. And he said, I used to be on heroin and I used to be on crack and I, and I lost my family, and, but God's delivered me. And I know a program in Ohio. And so Tuesday night, Susie and I were at the bus station for an hour and a half and I got a picture of him getting on the bus. Yeah. And my prayer was this 
end this year, God, if you can do anything, just get him on the bus because that's never happened. And he's, and on the way, he says, that's her. He knew everybody's name. And he says, come here. And he's telling me the stories. And there's a guy laying there homeless in the cold. And there's another tent. And he knows them all. And, and I just knew he wasn't getting on the bus. I prayed, God, just let him get on the bus. But then it's like seven cities stop. He's 33 years old or whatever. Kind of like DJ. And you know what he did for the first time? He called me and said, I'm here. And he's in a program. But the beautiful part about it is I've been in his life since he's six months old, off and on. But when he's calling all the names and telling me the stories, he goes, how bad is he? he says, and I've slept under that bridge for so many, so many times I slept right there. And I've picked. I've picked a lot of homeless people up. I've brought them home. I mean, hitchhikers, you just have to know our life. But you know what? God spoke to me at the end of the year and, and topped off my December. As he went in Weigel's with Susie, and Susie bought him a cup of coffee before he got on the bridge, and we stood there with all those people for over an hour and a half. Buses late and just seeing all the devastation of filth and evil. And God spoke to me. Because his whole heart is, maybe I can just get back on the streets and I won't have to won't take any drugs. I really do want to be off the drugs because they're killing him. And I mean, I could tell you a horrible, horrible story. But you know what I asked him? I heard God said, what if it's the last time he ever sleeps under a bridge in his life? And so I looked at him and I says, what if it's the last time you are ever homeless in your life? What if after this program, I put a mic in your hand? What after this, your story that you're going to tell? I said, when you get your place to live, you know what I'm going to do? I'll buy you a car. Susie and I will. You know we will. And I saw him for the first time say yes to an invitation from the Holy Spirit, not just to enter a program, but to not get off our Nashville or Cincinnati. That's what he normally would have done. And he's there. And he's going to make it. And he's never going to sleep under a bridge again in his entire life. What am I going to do? I'm going to go out there and get the most filthiest thing I can get. But I'm going to throw it where it belongs. In that dumpster. So that I can see all the filth and garbage not only out of my own life but the emptiness and the brokenness out of his life. Caring intentionally. If it's empty, get it out of your car. If it's broken, get it out of your van. Find something out here that you can throw in the dumpster. And could we end this on a prayer walk 
because God wants. This is for you, Michael. God wants for those you love this to be their best year ever. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life. 